Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. So, well, how many are ready to hear the word of the Lord? Give a warm welcome to our new youth pastor, my friend, man of God, Pastor Jordan Schmidt. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, I just want to thank Pastor Craig and Cindy for um, being so gracious to, jo- uh, to have me here to uh, give the word of the Lord to you guys today. It's very exciting. And thank you to, the, to you guys, the church, the congregation, the people, and those that worship with us online. Uh, this is a wonderful church. This is a beautiful place. We're a family, and uh, we're so blessed. And I, my family, myself, you know, we're blessed to have you guys. I'm very grateful. So... Uh, Today, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 17, if you want to follow along for some bonus points there. But first, I want to ask, has anybody in here seen the movie, The Pirates of the Caribbean? Right? Right? So for like 2009, uh, it's about a, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's about, uh, it's a pirate movie back in the 1800s, 1900s, and, and the main character's name is Captain Jack Sparrow. And... More than anything in the world, he wants to be a captain, the captain of the ship called the Black Pearl. And so most of the movie is him banding together a crew, and, he, and they're trying to, he's chasing after this ship that he so wants badly to be a captain of. And he uses a compass. So how many people used your compasses coming into church this morning, right? I'm up there with the youth kids. If I said the word compass, they'd probably look at me like I had six heads, right? We haven't really used a compass in a long time, but... But what we hopefully know about a compass is that it points north, right? No matter where you're standing, no matter where you're facing, the compass will be pointing north. Well, Captain Jack Sparrow's compass, he had something in the, in the movie where it was pointing a bunch of different directions all the time, right? And so his crew was getting frustrated with him. They're like, well, how are we going to find where we're supposed to go if this compass, we're following a guy, this compass doesn't even point north? You know, and then sometimes in the movie, he was using it to chased down the ship, like I said. And this compass was special because what it did was it pointed to the thing that he wanted the very most in this world, in his heart, right? And in the scene, in the movies, you see a couple times, one time he'd be using it to try to chase the ship. And then there was a woman over here in one scene in the movie, and he's looking at it and snaps over there to her. And so my question to everybody this morning is, if we had this compass, right, were pointed to wherever you wanted most in this world, where would it be pointing? Right? And we know the, we know the church answer. We know the, the, the Sunday school answer, right? It'd be pointing to Jesus, right? That's the goal. That's what we want, right? Um, you know, but if we're all, we'll be honest with each other today, we're, we're, we're hanging out. So sometimes in our walk with Christ, you know, our compass might be maybe pointing somewhere else. You know, I, if some of you are parents are out there, I'm a very young new parent. Uh, I have a you know, young daughter, and sometimes what I want most is just time. Maybe time with myself, if I could just have a little time to relax. I come home from work, and then there's Molly, there's Lindsay. I love them both very much. But, you know, there's some times where truly in my heart what I want is just I need some time, right? Or maybe, maybe if you just you need some affirmation for some people, if your people, your colleagues at work or in your family, like, you know, if your children or your grandchildren would just, just visit a little more, they would just sit with me if they would be with me. You know, if you're married, if you're a husband, if my wife would just, you know, respect me and just understand what I do. I go to work every day. I work hard for this family. Or maybe if you're a wife, it's, 
I just wish my husband would just spend some time with me and love me, you know, just be with me. If you're sick, you know, God, if you would just heal me, just heal me of this ailment, then I'm going to be okay. You know, whatever it is that we are putting our trust in and our faith in, wherever our compass is pointing, if it's not Christ, you know, we're going to be let down. We're going to be disappointed. And we're going to look today at a story of this man in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. He had the same kind of struggle that we have sometimes as Christians, right? So we'll read here in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 17. It says, Now as he was going on the road, one came running and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he answered and he said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And he said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at the word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astonished at this, at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is those who trust in riches. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are impossible, or are possible. Amen, right? Let's pray real quick. Lord God, Make your word real and true to us today. May it go forth and speak to us. Convict us, guide us, and teach us. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to look at three things today about this story. So we want to look at the man and his question. We want to look at Jesus' response. And then we want to look at the reaction of the disciples. Right, so first the man and his question. So this man, we know, we see in Luke's gospel, this is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of the synoptic gospels, and we see in the gospel of Luke that this man is called a ruler, right? And we see in the gospel of Matthew that he's called, he's mentioned that he's young. And here in Mark, as we read, this man has has some money, he has some riches. So he is the rich, young ruler. Many of us know this story as the title. What a cool title to be, first of all, if you had a get a heading for your Bible. You know, it's not average guy that has a, you know, donkey walking around the, the, lo- the road, talks to Jesus, right? This is the rich, young ruler, right? By the culture's stance and by the world's stance, this guy has everything, right? Come on, how many, how many people in here, right, you know, you could be famous, could be rich, can have all this money, like maybe if I just had this stuff, it'd be kind of a cool life, right? Who, who said, man, that just I can't wait till I get older. I love getting old. Things get easier when you get older, right? This man was what? Young. And who's like, man, I make a little too much money right now. This is, I just need a little bit less money. My life would be a little bit better, right? This guy had money. And then respect, status. 
from the community. He was a ruler of probably a synagogue in, in the city where, you know, they came to worship, and, and he kind of oversaw the building. This man had the respect of his peers, the respect of the community. From the standpoint, he has all these things that sometimes these hidden treasures in our heart. That's the title of my message, by the way. I kind of skipped that. Sorry about that. But these hidden treasures, this man had these things, Right? But we see he, he, he begins to realize. So the funny thing is, too, if, you have, if, our, if our compass is pointing at something else that we're trusting, we want so bad, right? Did you ever get it? I had a time where more than anything, a couple months ago, I just wanted, I wanted a new car, right? And I spent every waking minute of my day coming home from work, sitting on my phone, researching, trying to find a good deal. And I would tell myself, well, I'm just making sure I get the right car. I'm making sure I get the right deal. I'm making sure I'm doing these things. And my life was truly spent searching after this car, this treasure that I wanted. Right? And it affected my relationship with my wife, my daughter, and certainly God. Right? Because all I, could, all I wanted at that time was this car. Right? And this man, so if you ever want this time, if you ever get these things that you want so desperately, if you get them, you're kind of like, okay, what now? It never really brings that satisfaction. It never really brings that peace, that joy, that comfort that only can come from Jesus. But, it, but we want it. We, we, we're like, our minds are always tricked. We think, well, if I just get, can get a little more of this, or if I get there, or if this happens in my life, or this circumstance has changed, then I'll be okay. But we're always, it's, it's a lie. And this man began to feel this, right? So this man had everything, like we said, status, money, youth. And he, but he got to feel in his heart. He came to Jesus. He's like, hey, Jesus, like, I have all this stuff. My life is great, you know, but, but, but I'm missing something. There's something that's not right with me. How do I get this eternal life, right? And he's just like, let's get down to brass tacks. How do I get eter- eternal life, right? I've heard you talking about this. I've heard you kind of saying these things. How do I add this to my portfolio, right? And the question itself, the man is sincere. We see he comes up and he kneels down, he runs. He's almost like begging at Jesus' feet. And before we beat him up, nobody else has asked this question, right? The disciples, Jesus came on the scene, Mark uh, 1, uh, verse 15. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news of the good news of the gospel, and then we got nine chapters in between. Jesus is teaching. He's doing miracles. He's talking about the kingdom of God, and the disciples are there like, all right, yeah, the kingdom of God. But this man comes, and he says, yo, how do I get it? So he asks almost the right question. But let's look at what Jesus said to him. First he said in verse 18, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. So let's put a quick little uh, bookmark right there. We're going to come back and visit that little funny saying Jesus said later. But verse 19, what would you say to somebody if somebody asked you this question? Right? Jesus quotes the law? Right, is that right? This gets a F for evangelism, right? When we, we, somebody come up on the street and ask you, how do I get to heaven? You say, do the law. Is that what we say to people? No, right? It's what? Believe in Jesus, but, you know, put your faith in Christ. You know, for God so loved the wor- world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever believe in him 
shall not perish, but have eternal life. The book of Romans says, you know, you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you will be saved. This man's right in front of Jesus himself and Jesus doesn't say, believe in me. Why do he quotes the law? He says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud and honor your father and mother. And it's interesting, he quotes the second half of the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, we see in Exodus 20, right? So it's the back half of the Ten Commandments, which deal with loving people, right? So when Jesus talked, somebody else asked him, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? This section Jesus gives him, he goes, this is all about loving your neighbor. So really, those two commandments are commandments one through four, followed shortly after by 5 through 10, right? It's the whole 10 commandments. Love God, love people. And he tells this man, you know, here you go, do these. And even funnier, the man comes up and he says, teacher, I've done this from my youth. Look, I've never murdered anybody. I've never committed adultery. I, don't, I never stole anything. I've been a good, upstanding citizen. I come to church Right? I read my Bible every once in a while. I pray. I pray for other people. I, I, don't cu- I don't swear anymore. Right? I'm a Christian. I don't swear. I don't drink. I don't do these things anymore. Is that, what, is that what our faith in following Jesus is about? Our moral character gets raised up? Because this is what this man is trying to show Jesus. He's like, look, you know, my resume is pretty good. I'm a pretty good guy. And it's funny because Jesus then looks at him and it says he loved him. And he said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come take up the cross and follow me. Do you know love, the opposite of love, when Jesus looked at this man, he loved him, right? The opposite of love is not hate, or anger, it's indifference. So if you're a parent or if you're somebody and you have a friend and they're destroying their lives, right, your kids or your, your friend or somebody close to you, they're going on a path that is not good for them, you don't sit there and just say, ah, yeah, maybe they'll be all right, maybe. No, right? You, you get angry or you speak to them or you confront them in love. And this is what Jesus is doing here with this man. And you remember the woman at the well, John's Gospel, chapter 4? She's at the well. She's coming in the middle of the day because she's a nefarious character, right? She's got a reputation. Nobody talks to her. She's kind of an outcast. And here comes Jesus. Right? We're talking about hidden treasures today. We're talking about what is it in our hearts that we maybe sometimes can have in front of Christ. But yeah, we have all this stuff on the surface. We come to church. You know, we come to church and you say, how you doing? Everyone's like, I'm good. I do this too, by the way. Right? I'm good. Things are good. That's how this man was talking to Jesus. I'm good. I do this. I did that. I did that. Look at this, right? And then he goes, ah, to the woman at the well, go call your husband. She's like, ah. Well, he puts his finger right on the hurt. And he does the same thing here to this man. He goes, okay, you followed the law. Let's go to the first commandment. See how you do there. 
you shall have no other gods before me. Take away the thing that you love most. Let's, let's talk about this. I want this, right? Our faith in Christ, our Christianity, it's not just an addition to everything else that we have in our lives, right? This is what this man thought. This is what this man was thinking when he came to the king. And he asked this question. He said, hey, how do I add this on? And Jesus said, no, 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 I'm not really an addition. I, I, I want all of you. I require all of you. Everything in your life will become subordinate to me. And what did this man do? The woman at the well was changed forever. When she went and evangelized the city, she did great things for God. This man was sad, right? Verse 22, but he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He was so close. He had the resume, and he just can't give that up. See, my life, if your life is in these things, right, this man had his career, his reputation, his status, if this is what you build your life on and you, you know, if it's ever threatened, like Jesus right here, he said, hey, let's, let's talk about this, right? Because anything that's not Christ, who's not the eternal king, God almighty, it will and can be threatened. So if your hope is in your relationship with your kids and it gets a little bit off, freak out. If your hopes and money or your career and it gets threatened a little bit, maybe you're going to lose your job, maybe the stock market, you're looking at it all the time, freak out. But if your hope is in him, the unchanging, ever good God, your feet are always on solid ground. And he is the giver of all these things, right? These aren't bad things. Before anybody starts freaking out, we'll get to the the money part, right? Because everybody always gets, whoa. Do I have to sell everything? Like, we'll get there. Because you do. No, no. <laughs> but but uh, we'll get there. But, the, you know, what Jesus is driving here is, like, when we put our faith other places, it'll forever disappoint you, and it'll forever just fall short. So let's look at uh, the disciples' reaction here. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished. And they said to themselves, who then can be saved? Right? So, in the Old Testament, everybody, everyone thought this was the ideal guy to get into heaven, right? This guy had blessing from the Lord. You look at the book of Job. Job was one of the richest man, men in the land of us. Land of us. Nobody knows where that's at. But that's where Job was, and he had all this stuff that God blessed him with. Abraham, right? Abraham in the book of Genesis. He had so much stuff from God, he was just giving it away. He was like, here, take this. You take that part of the land. I'll go over here to the bad part because I got so much blessing. God is taking care of me, right? So people thought if you don't, if you had no money or if you were poor, you know, you were like, God, you know, something's up with them. God's not blessed them. Money was a sign of blessing, they thought. So they were like, this guy, if this guy can't come in, and you heard his resume, this guy followed the law perfectly. That was all they thought about when Jesus was there. Do the commandments, right? 
And this guy did it. So he said. So they were like, and then Jesus says, it's impossible for a rich man. Not just, it's really hard. He said, it's impossible with man. You know, why, what is it about money? Right? Jesus didn't say you cannot serve God in food or you cannot serve God in watching your favorite sports team or you cannot serve God in hanging out with your family. What he said, you cannot serve God in money. What is it about money? Right? This man had all of it. So money does what? If you got some money, you, you know, the good cars, the good homes, the good vacations, you get a little leisure, you know. It's something that Jesus is not holding up poverty as an ideal here, but he is pointing out to the disciples is that money can sometimes, if we're not careful, you know, you have some, sometimes you can forget that you need God, right? You're taken care of, you got your stuff, everything's going great. Do you get on your knees and cry out to God when you just got a raise or you just got a new, I mean, you know, we could, we we thank him for that. We know that every good and perfect gift comes from above the Father of lights, right? But when things are going smooth, sometimes we can kind of forget. We're kind of just coasting along. You know, this man had self-satisfaction and pride. And these are two great enemies of faith and obedience to Christ, right? And nothing will level those like poverty. Right? You've got to come to somebody hat in hand. I can't, I can't pay for the mortgage. I can't do this. I need help. I need help getting groceries. Right? That'll just level. And then what drives you to your knees? Sometimes, I'll be honest in my life, when things are going okay, I know that's one of the most dangerous places for me to be spiritually because I forget. When I'm really struggling, when I'm really going through something, I am on my knees, I'm praying, I'm asking God, I'm crying out. But if I don't have that, if God's not driving me and creating weakness in my life, pruning us, right? Pruning does not feel good. But God disciplines those whom he loves. And Jesus was showing the disciples here, look, we all have the same problem, right? This is where everybody takes a deep breath. It's not just the rich or people with money who it's impossible to be saved. Right? So let's go back. I told you we'll put a bookmark in verse 18. So Jesus said to him when the man first asked him this question, he said, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. Why did Jesus say that, right? He He's certainly not denying his divinity, right? Because later on in Mark's gospel, Jesus is before Pilate, and Pilate's like, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus says, it is as you have said, right? The gospel of John, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. So he's not saying here, look, I'm not God. You're asking the wrong guy, because A, Jesus gives him the answer. So he's not denying his divinity, but he is trying to get a point across, something that they understood back then, that the, the modern-day church, we don't really love. 
And what he was saying is that nobody is good. Right? You ask anybody in the street, hey, you think you're going to go to heaven? How do you get to heaven? They say, well, I'm a good person, right? I try pretty hard. I've never killed anybody just like this man, right? I'm not that bad, you know, certainly. It's, it's, you know, I think I'll be, I think I'll be all right. Or if God is like any good teacher, grades on a curve, right? You know, you got the drug addicts, you got the drug dealers, you got the murderers over here. I'm kind of over here, like I'm, you know, I'm all right. I'm going to be fine. Do we say this? And we say it in casual conversation, which, you know, oh, they're good people, good person, right? What does the Bible say about that, right? We'll flip over to Romans 3 real quick. Hang with me, right? This is uh, not the most fun you ever had, but Paul's writing to the Jews and the Gentiles. He says, as it is written, there is no none righteous, not one. There is no one who understands There is no one who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is no one who does good. Not one. Right, and this upsets people. When I'm at work and I'm trying to tell somebody about Jesus, this is where they just can't get it through their head. This offends people, right? There's three types of people in the world. And this is what Jesus was trying to drive at with his disciples. You know, like you said, if you're rich, you're not good. If you're middle class, you're not good. If you're poor, you're not good. And you say, Jordan, this isn't very inspiring. So just hang on, right? So the three types of people. The first type is somebody who, like I said, just hears this message and they get a little offended. They think, ah, this is... This is not what I'm here for. You know, I'm, I'm here to get lifted up. I'm here to get some Jesus, get a little shot of Jesus, and then go on my way, right? This, I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, look at my resume, like this man. I come to church. I do these things. I've given money to charity. God certainly, you know, this is the self-righteousness that may be a hidden treasure because this thing grows back. We have to constantly kill self-righteousness because it grows back. These are the people that have a little too low view of their sin. Right? They think, oh, I'm not that bad. But they can't grasp the grace. Everyone, what Jesus is saying, we all need the grace of God. Salvation is of the Lord. And that was, he was saying, it is impossible with man, but it's possible with God. But you can't grasp, you can't understand grace. You can't gain grace, but you It starts when you understand it. And the first group of people, they can't grasp it because they have too low a view of their sin. The second group of people, they know they're spiritually bankrupt. They know that they're sinners. They know that they're, you know, they need charity. They need a savior, right? But, But they have too low a view of God's mercy and love. Right, They say things like, well, you don't know what I've done or the, the life that I'm living or the sin that I'm still struggling with privately that nobody sees, Right, that I kind of don't talk about. They, don't, they can't grasp the, the, the height, the depth, the greatness of God's mercy and sacrifice that he provided for us on the cross. Jesus' blood that pays for all sin. There is no too great a sinner that is outside of God's grace. Right? And there's nobody good enough who doesn't need grace. 
And these people that they can't see the goodness of God, they're more upset normally that they need a Savior. They're saying, well, I shouldn't be like this. I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't have done that. I know I'm not supposed to do that. I need to get better. I need to self-propel myself, you know. I need to read my Bible more. I shouldn't swear. I shouldn't gossip. Right, I gossiped again. Oh, man. They're more mad at their outcome of their behavior is that they can't see the grace. They can't see Christ. And then there's the third person who understands both, right? It's like seeing between both eyes. You got one eye closed, you got no depth, depth perception. You open both up, and it begins here when you see the great depth of your sin. But you also see the great love of your Savior. And those two need to be held together, and it's hard. It's hard sometimes. But they need to be held together. Because you'll never have courage to truly look at yourself and look at that hidden treasure. Look at that little idol that you might have. You won't have the courage if you don't know what Jesus did for you, if you don't embrace it, if you don't understand that you can't earn this. That's what Jesus was saying. It's impossible. I don't care if you're rich, poor, whatever, anything in the middle. This can't be earned. And then... You won't be anxious about your performance if you understand the love of your Savior, right? You know, Jesus died while we were still sinners. He died for us, the book of Romans said. You think back, you remember, you know what, when you understand grace too, I was a drunk alcoholic, I was addicted to pornography, I I was a mess, right? I need the same grace now that I needed before I walked in this church five years ago. And it's the same for every one of us. How long have you been walking with Jesus? You need the same grace. You need to sometimes look back and remember, right, who you were or what you were struggling with or what you were doing. It's no different. And if you understand the grace, if you understand this, you know, it'll enable us to look at other people, the low of society or the strong, you know, you won't look at it with such cynicism or you won't look at it with moral superiority because you'll say, wow. That person needs God just as much as I do. And you know, the funny thing about this story, in every gospel that it's recorded, the story about Jesus and the little children is right before it. Right? The little children come to Jesus and they say, he says, you know, if you do not receive the kingdom of God like one of these children, cannot receive it, cannot enter it, right? What does a child bring to the table? My daughter's nine months old. What does she do for me? <laughs> I love her, right? Jeez, this sounds kind of morose. But does she clean the, clean the house? Does she pick up after herself? Right, like this man came to Jesus. Look at all I do. Look what I do. And yet he missed it. So how much more us, right? This is a big contrast. There's, it's there for a reason because you must come to God knowing that you bring nothing, right? Grace is being able to enter a place where we don't deserve. But our Savior loves us anyway. He died for you anyway. He rose again for you anyway in spite of all that we are. So you don't have to be, well, I'm bad. The preacher said I was bad. I just don't want to be bad. Like, well, no. 
What kind of a love is that? Where we are who we are, and we can look at who we really are. And Jesus still came down. You know, God emptied heaven of its greatest treasure for you and for me. You know, and today we can think about, we'll close with this. I had a weird week last week, right? So it was a Saturday. I was hanging out with Lindsay and Molly, and I go to work, obviously, all the time. And and Molly is with Lindsay every day. And I wanted to spend time with her, right? I wanted to spend time with Molly, and I was hanging out, and, and, and she ran away from me, right, and ran to Lindsay. And I was sad. I was kind of mad, to be honest. I was like, oh, man, what the heck? Like, I go to work. I do all these things for you. I got you, you know, wait, like, come on. Like, you know, I give you stuff. Buy you toys. <laughs> and you know what? It got me thinking, when I'm chasing an idol, does God feel this way? As it broke my heart, truly, when I'm running after something else. Now, God is perfect. God will not get, you know, his emotions are not the same as ours. But it got me thinking, does he feel that way? It made me sad. But today, I just want you to think about whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, First, I'd encourage you to have strength to look at it, right? To be honest with yourself and look at it and bring it to the feet of the cross. Bring it to Christ. This isn't about self-performance. This isn't about, you know, your resume as this man was hoping it was. And also to know and hang on to that you are so loved that Christ came and died you ever think about that? Think about dying. Somebody died for you. Didn't even, you know. I think sometimes, especially me, it's just kind of like, yeah, Jesus died for my sins. I, you know, I, I, I kind of pray it. I know it. I see it. But think about it. Walked the earth. Was tempted in every way. Knows you. Sees you. Already knows what we're dealing with. And yet he still came. This is the grace that Jesus was driving at here. And when he puts his finger on whatever it is in your life, don't, don't, don't recoil. Because he's doing it out of love. Because he loves you and he wants more for you. He needs more from you. He has plans for you for his glory to share with others. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever that little idol is, somebody else is going to have this idol down the road in your life. And you'll be able to be there. And you can say, hey, you know what? I struggled with this too. Let me tell you about somebody who helped me. His name is Jesus. Right? So, Pastor Craig, I guess today, if anybody wants to come up front here, we're going to pray for people. If you have anything that you want to bring to the altar that you may have a hidden treasure, right?
may have something that you've been loving a little bit too much or putting a little bit too much faith or trust in. We just want to ask you if anybody wants to come up and get prayer. We'll open that up now. But let's pray before we close. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the truth of your word. And Lord God, that you are so good that we can have confidence in you because it is not based on our performance. We don't have to spin our wheels and try and try and try. The faith in your sacrifice, in your death, cleanses us all. There is one hero in this story, and it is you. So we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your sacrifice to save a wretch like me, like us. We all need you. No matter where we're at, our need is the same, and it is fulfilled in you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.